Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. I think, can we put it in presentation mode or? Thank you. Can you see the presentation? Perfectly. Okay. So... I know, I'm sorry that I'm not there with you. I'm at my home in Ojai. And uh, thank you for the invitation. And I hope that we will see you soon, sometime in the future. My subject is flaps for vaginal reconstruction, something that I like through my career. When we need flaps for vaginal reconstruction, for fistula repair, like rectovaginal, vesicovaginal, urethrovaginal, for vaginal stenosis, for mesh erosions or extrusion, for vaginal substitution when there is absence of the efficient vaginal wall, what type of flaps, vaginal flaps, martial flaps, peritoneal flaps, rotational tight flaps, island tight flaps, I will describe you more, gracilis or free skin like a Mackindu procedure. The vaginal flaps advancement is a simple technique, should be always used, prevents overlapping sutures, but is not suitable for atrophic, stenotic, or radiated vagina. This is an example of a repair of a vaginal, vesicovaginal fistula that after you complete the repair, you want to advance the vaginal flap distal to the repair, not to have overlapping line of sutures. The martial slab is very versatile. Fibrofetti tissue of the labia is a reliable dual blood supply, easy to harvest, and beside the classical uh, martial slab published in 1928, we like to use the inside to technique preventing a labial incision. This is the anatomy. This is Photoshop from myself in the right side. The deep pudendal artery provides circulation to the upper segment of the flap, while the inferior pudendal artery provides circulation to the inferior portion. So there is dual blood supply. In the classical Marshall's flap, you do a vertical incision over the labia, you dissect and expose the fibrofetti tissue, isolate, transect the upper or the lower segment, will not be any difference. And then you do a tunnel under the labia, under the vaginal wall, you expand the graft, and you advance the vaginal wall. We like to do an inside to type of martial slab that does not require a labial incision. You dissect under the labia to isolate the martial slab. This is a case of a woman with mesh eroding in the urethra, and after the excision of the mesh and closing the large hole, I'm going to dissect under the vaginal wall toward the labia, isolate the flap, transect it, and bring it over the area of reconstruction, and then advance the vaginal wall. This is after rectocell repair, traumatic vaginal delivery, a patient with rectocell and perineal repair, a rectovaginal fistula with four prior failures with colostomy. So this is the fistula, a regular repair clearly 
will not help because four times was done by good surgeons. You can see the rectovaginal fistula that we are going to catheterize. Do two flaps in the posterior vaginal wall. One is a U-flap of the vaginal wall and dissect the pre-rectal fascia proximal to the fistula that we will use in the reconstruction. Here is a fistula we are going to close in layers. After closing the fistula, we're going to irrigate the rectum with diluted methylene blue. The next step, we're going to advance the pre-rectal fascia that we dissected free prior to that. Then a labial incision and transfer the Marshall's flap toward the pre-rectal area and expanded the sutures to prevent and create an extra layer of protection. And then advance the vaginal wall distally to cover the area of the reconstruction. We like to use Marshall's flaps also for supramatal urethralysis. Patient with obstruction, after slings, after mesh, uh, fail the takeout of the obstructing mesh or obstructing flap, uh, uh, fascia, and we do supramatal urethralysis. So in this case, we instead to go to abdominal route or robotically, you do a supramatal incision, you dissect the urethra from the pubic bone, you detach the pubo-urethral ligament, do a complete anterior urethralysis, transferring then the flap to the perivesical area, and then close the vaginal wall after approximation of the pubo-urethral ligament to the pubic bone. This is the inverted U incision that we'll do anterior to the catheter and detach the pubo-urethral ligament into the retropubic space. We enter the retropubic space, and here is the margin or the edge of the pubic bone. Detach all adhesions, and then we are going to do an inside to Marsh's flap, transecting the upper segment. We are going to transfer it to the perivesical and anterior bladder wall. We are going to apply sutures to fix it, to prevent displacement, and then close the vaginal wall, the incision, is anterior to the urethra here, small incision. So it's an efficient technique, and we have published a number of cases using this technique. We use peritoneal flap for repair of vesicovaginal fistula, and Dr. Albert did actually a revision of this data and published in the journal. It's easy to obtain is interposing a double layer of peritoneum between the bladder and the vagina. is indicated only for high fistula. What we want to do is interpose a double layer of peritoneum between the bladder, I mean the, where the fistula was, and the vagina to prevent any recurrence. It is a case of a woman with a recurrent vesicovaginal fistula. It's a high fistula. You can see the scar in the area. And after repair of the fistula, we dissect posterior to the bladder and isolate the peritoneum that we try not to open. If it's open, not a big deal, but you dissect it free in the posterior to the bladder. And then we advance the peritoneal flap distal to the fistula to cover the area of reconstruction, interposing a double layer of peritoneum between vagina and bladder. So we advance the peritoneal flap, 
and then you can see the final result, and then we are going to advance the vaginal wall to close the fistula so they are not crossing layers. This is another use of peritoneum in a woman with an enterocell and a recurrent rectovaginal fistula due to pessary. So we are going to repair the rectal wall, and after closing the rectal wall in layers, we are going to take the peritoneum of the enterocell sac and advance it distally to interpose tissue between the vagina and the rectum. So we have done an advancement of peritoneum to cover the repair and then advancing the vaginal wall to cover the area. The flap, like I like the most, are the inner thigh flaps. And there are two types, an island of the inner thigh for patients with wide vaginal canal or rotational inner thigh for patients with narrow vaginal canal, radiation, multiple surgeries, that we need to do an extended episiotomy and lateral vaginal incision to widen the vaginal canal and transfer the flap of vascular skin and fatty tissue to cover the defect. These are radiation fistulas, recto, recurrent rectovaginal fistulas. In the island of the inner thigh, like a case like that, radiation fistula, multiple failures. After closing the fistula, we are going to do an inverted U incision of the skin lateral to the labia and advance the flap, excision of the skin at the base of the flap. This is all inferior pudendal base. We leave an island of skin that we transfer under the labia and sutures to the margin in the vagina of our repair. This is an example of a woman with urethral necrosis, total incontinence due to mesh. Our plan, there is no urethra, construct a neo-urethra, do autologous fascial sling, and use an island of the inner thigh to, that contain fat and skin to cover the area of reconstruction. So here is a bladder neck with a catheter, two parallel incisions to make a tube. It creates a ureter around three centimeters long. Then we take a segment of fascial lata that we are going to apply, transfer. Then we do an inverted U incision lateral to the labia. And we are going to lift up the flap, the island, excision of the skin at the base of the flap. So you have a rectangular area that we are going to transfer with a clamp under the labia from lateral to medial, and by that covering the defect of the neo-urethra. So we brought skin and fatty tissue over the fascial lateral graft to improve the healing. This is examples of rotational inner flap. And these are patients with severe vaginal stenosis, rectovaginal fistulas after radiation, recurrent vesicovaginal fistula, but you don't have access to the, to the fistula because they're narrow and short vagina. So in this case, we do first lateral episiotomy and extend the lateral episiotomy to the pararectal space, to the area where the fistula is, where we do the repair. We do an inverted U incision 
lateral to the labia, and we are going to create two flaps. El frap, dissect the inner thigh, and a flap of the labia that we are going to free it up completely from the pubic bone. After it's free, we are going to cross it over. It is a, the inner thigh flap, and the labial flap is retracted. This is the wide opening now of the vagina. And we are going to bring the lateral inner thigh medially and suture it and cover the area of the defect. And the labial flap will come laterally to complete the reconstruction. This is the way that looks at the beginning of the closure. And this is at the end, few months after surgery, and is the fistula repair. And she has vaginal depth and width, and she can have now sexual relations. I prepared a short movie on this graft. And you can see here, the first thing we are going to do is a lateral episiotomy, but extended all the way to the pararectal area, going to the calf of the vagina, expose the fistula, repair what is necessary. Then we extend the end of the episiotome incision in an inverted U fashion, lateral to the labia, and separate from the adductor fascia. So you need to see the glistening surface of the adductor musculature as you perform, perform this flap. Here is the inner thigh flap brought down. Now we are going to work on the labial flap. The labial salve of the flap will consist on detaching the labia and dissecting it from the pubic bone directly, from the descending ram of the pubic bone. So we freed up completely the labia. And here we are, what we're going to do. We are going to cross it over. The labial flap goes laterally and the inner thigh flap goes Immediately. So now we are preparing the sutures, pre-placing sutures. We are going to bring the inner thigh flap to the vagina, and that covers the fistula, brings fatty tissue, brings skin to cover the defect. And after we complete the suture, we are going to proceed with the closure of the inner thigh area. And usually there is no need of undermine much because the mobility, tremendous mobility and it's very easy to close the area. So remember, this is the labial tie, and the inner tie flap is inside the vagina to cover the defect. Finally, something that we rarely use is the Mackindo procedure, split thickness graft that you decide between the bladder, between the rectum and the bladder, create a pocket, a large pocket, at least 12 centimeter long, between rectum and bladder, and you prepare pleat thickness graft over the mold that will be inserted into the vagina for six to eight weeks. The problem, the vagina is totally dry, shrinks very easy and recurrent scar. So personally, I don't like it. And that's all for me. Thank you so much for your attention. I'm sure that will be some uh, questions. Yeah. Um, at this time, if anyone wants to step out to the mics for questions, and while we wait for that, just a reminder, there are uh, two industry symposium luncheons. Um, one is the Medtronic lunch in San Diego Ballroom B, and the other is the Allergan or AbbVie lunch in San Diego Ballroom C. 
And I won't say which one will be better, but let's say one of them has an award recipient and one of the moderators right now. Okay, questions, please. Hi, I'm Peter Rossi from Utrecht in the Netherlands. Uh, I'm sorry, Professor Ross. My question is for Professor Cardozo. I very much enjoyed your lecture about do no harm in, in female uh, surgery. And, but there's one, one group of patients that I frequently see, and that is meningomenocele uh, uh, adults and, and uh, adolescents. And sometimes I think they have serious labial hypertrophy. And I don't think the patient, most of my patients have, have much of a problem with that. But there's, I think, one article that says that it's associated with recurrent urinary tract infections, and that reduction is, is, is possible and, and effective. So I don't think that that one, one article is, 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 is evidence. But would what you said and what, what I'm saying now be a reason to think about a kind of guideline for these patients and with a definition that, that says, okay, when is appearing, appearing hip hypertrophy, when, it's, when is it hypertrophy, is reduction, uh, does it make sense, and what, what would be the best surgical technique uh, to do that? Of course, uh, recurrent urinary tract infections are incredibly common in women of all ages. Yep. And, and, and also not, in, in yeah, and so not necessarily more so in monilomingocele patients. Yeah, yeah performing um, intermittent I mean, self-catheterization. So you can think of the problem. It, it seems there are plausible, lots of reasons. but there's no evidence. But uh, I mean, if, if it's causing discomfort, then they deserve the same consideration as anyone else who's got uh, large labia. So... It's a, that, mean, that ask for an opinion of societies yeah. like that, that this is not cosmetic surgery, but, but real yeah. indicated surgery. Yeah. But then we are, should have good arguments to do it. Well, as I showed you, functional reasons and for cosmetic reasons, that women are divided. Thank you. Thank you for a great session and nice to see you, Dr. Roz. I, um, it's, I love watching those flaps, especially as we're doing more transgender care. They're very relevant. And I wanted to get your thoughts on um, your, the role of colorectal surgery or, or diversion when you do those repairs, just because the, the recurrence rate can be high with rectovaginal fistula. So I wanted to see how you sort of have the success rate you do. Do you need to divert them or not? Or do you have a, like an algorithm? Usually for rectovaginal fistulas, uh, many of the patients came already diverted because multiple failures, particularly the radiation. But I, if they are not diverted and I see that I can bring good flap of fatty tissue, skin, I think that will not do divert uh, before that. But if the vaginal stenosis, five surgeries before and fail, I will probably do a, a temporary diverting colostomy, but uh, very rarely we need to do it. I think the important, as particular radiation, recurrent fistula, is bring well vascular tissue, fat and skin to cover the area when you have total destruction of the tissues. So the rotational flaps are excellent to cover defects, repair vaginal stenosis, and restore a functional vagina on these patients. And and then you may you don't then necessarily need to do a gracilis. Do you feel like the the fatty tissue with the skin is usually enough? 
I don't like Russell is mm-hmm. too bulky, mm-hmm. out of deception. And uh, and you don't want to do bulk. You want to restore anatomy. Mm-hmm. And the bringing gracilis into the vagina looks too much. And I think that if you bring local tissue to cover the defect, the important is vascular supply, fatty tissue, and skin. This is what you want to do for the repair. Thank you, Dr. Ross. All right, we have time for just one more question. Mark. Uh, hi, thank you. These talks were fantastic. I have a question. Your super meatal urethroplasty, you use the Marnius flap. Can you explain the indication for that flap in that situation? Recurrent patient with recurrent obstructing, that failed urethrolysis, retropubic suspensions, birch, and really one urethrolysis, two. Most of these patients are referred after multiple urethrolysis and continuous obstruction in need of self-catheterization. We don't do is a primary procedure. Only patient with multiple fail. The idea is to transvaginally to remove all adhesions of the urethra and the bladder neck and interpose fatty tissue to prevent recurrent fixation. So I can go laterally to the bladder neck, to the urethra, dissect the bladder totally free, dissect the urethra totally free, transvaginally. It's a simple approach, easy to do extensive urethrolysis. But important, the interposition to prevent recurrency. Got it. Thank you. Doctors Cardozo and Raz, thank you so much. Fantastic lectures. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.